Hello, I'm Mind. And in this video, I'm going to... Hey, who are you? I'm Intuition. Why have I never met you before? Because you don't listen. I seriously have never heard you talk to me before. Oh, that's because I usually don't speak in words. So how do I communicate with you? Through subtle feelings and sensations. Can you be more specific? Because I have no idea what that means. Oh boy, this is gonna take a while. Well, not really. You can actually develop intuition pretty quickly when you learn some spiritual shortcuts. And that's exactly what I'm going to be sharing in this video. You'll learn what intuition is, and it may not be what you think. Then you're going to discover the missing key to intuition. And then I'm going to share a simple two-step process that will help you develop your intuition quickly and accurately. Coming up. Hello, beautiful soul. This is Christina Lopes, the heart alchemist, here to help you open your heart, heal your past, and live with purpose. If you're new to my videos, click on that subscribe button and also on the bell so you get notified as soon as I publish new content. And don't forget to follow me over on Instagram where I share weekly advice that you won't find here on YouTube. On to part one of the video, what is intuition? <laughs> now, a while back, I did a video on intuition, a pretty long one. I went into a lot of depth into that. I'm gonna leave a link to that video at the end of this one if you wanna watch after you watch this one. In that video, I described intuition as an inner knowing that goes beyond conscious reasoning, all right? So that's how I defined intuition. And I went deeper into it and one of the really interesting things I talked about was the fact that intuition, although science thinks of it and studies it as a subconscious phenomenon, so a phenomenon of the mind, I actually see intuition as a heart phenomenon. Ding, ding. <laughs> I see intuition. Intuition, the portal of intuition is really your heart, in my opinion. And so uh, when I went into that, when I talked about the heart actually being the portal of intuition and not the mind, I got a ton of comments and emails and feedback after that video. And one of the biggest questions that I had, people were really curious. They wanted to know more. They wanted to understand how intuition is part of the heart. And one of the, one of the biggest questions, the million dollar question I got after that video was this, if intuition is a heart phenomenon, how do I connect to my heart? <laughs> so that was probably one of the biggest questions I got after shooting that video. And so that's what this video really is about. I'm going to help you understand that if intuition really is a heart phenomenon, how do you connect to your heart? <laughs> because intuition really, you know, as a heart phenomenon, it's really beautiful and very, very interesting. The heart is actually the portal of intuition. It's what receives the intuitive pings or intuitive knowings. And then what the heart does is it pings that package of information up to the brain and then the brain processes and deciphers it, you see? So it's not the brain that receives the initial intuition. The initial intuition is coming into the heart. So the question then becomes, all right, if the, if the heart is the initial portal of intuition, then how the heck do I connect to my heart? That takes us to part two of the video, which is the missing key to intuition. <laughs> so when we're working with intuition and trying to connect with the heart, 
uh, it can really feel like a daunting, daunting task. And the reason is because in order to connect to intuition, we now know that we have to connect to our hearts. And in order to connect to our hearts, we have to understand heart language, which is really different from mind language. And so it could really feel like kind of a Herculean effort to understand heart language because it, it speaks in a completely different way than the mind does. So you can think of it really like learning a new language. You know, if somebody were to stand in front of me right now and start to speak Mandarin to me, <laughs> I wouldn't understand one single thing because I don't know one word of Mandarin. And so I would have to learn Mandarin step-by-step -step, word by word in order to be able to communicate in that language. And it's the same thing with the heart because it's such a different language from the mind in the same way that Mandarin is such a different language from English, then you would really have to learn all new structures, sentence structures, rules, different rules, different vocabulary rules, grammar rules. And so that's the same thing that's happening when we're trying to connect to heart language, heart language is very different from mind language. So initially when I awoke and I started to figure out that I needed to connect more and more with my heart, it was a process for me because <laughs> what I did was I would sit in meditation and I'd start talking to my heart and I'd communicate with it. I was, you know, talking to it in words. I would talk to it. I would communicate with it, but I was still having a tremendous amount of difficulties in understanding the difference between my heart and my mind. I was, I was just really having a hard time because I was trying to understand and I was trying to communicate to the heart with the heart through the mind, kind of in a mind centric way still. And so that took me a while, but then I started to figure out that there was a shortcut, ding, ding, and there was a shortcut. And this is the missing key to intuition. As I started to go more and more into the heart, I found a shortcut that accelerated my understanding of heart language and coming into the heart. And here's the shortcut and here's the missing key. The missing key is that if you want to connect to your heart and subsequently to your intuition, the fastest way to do that is to connect to your body. Ding, ding, <laughs> connect to your body. When you are connected to your body, you're connected to your heart. And when you're connected to your heart, you're connected to intuition. All right. And, and we can kind of easily see why, right? The heart and the body are one and the same. They are so intimately connected, so intimately connected. I mean, your heartbeat is literally the present moment reminder that you're alive, right? And if your heart, your heart beats a hundred, about a hundred thousand times a day in a steady, steady in and out way. And if your heart stopped beating for just a minute, your whole body would die. Okay. So the heart is the anchor that keeps the body alive. And so the connection with heart and body is very, very deep. When I'm first starting to learn how to develop intuition, instead of getting kind of stuck in trying to understand heart language, I can go right into the body. And as I go into the body, I immediately connect to my heart. And when I connect to my heart, I immediately connect to my intuition. The heart and body function in very much the same way that the heart and the mind function when it comes to intuition. So I said a little while ago that when the heart receives an intuitive ping, it then 
pings that information. It sends that information up to the brain in kind of an information package. I, I look at it kind of like files in a computer. It's like an information package that the heart sends up to the brain and then the brain deciphers it. Well, the heart does the same thing with the body. <laughs> so when the heart receives an intuitive ping, it can also communicate to parts and areas of your body, which then give you a little symptom or a physical sign. And that can also give you an indication that you've received an intuition or that you have an intuitive package that your body is deciphering. Here's an example of how this looks. So have you ever had a conversation with someone where you're like deep in conversation with this person and they say something that resonates so deeply with your soul that your whole, your hairs on your arm stand up and you get goosebumps all over the place. Has, has this ever happened to you? This is is a really common sign of, of, of receiving an intuition. This is precisely this mechanism of the heart intuition communicating with the body. So the heart receives that as a resonance, as an intuition, and then it sends a ping to your skin <laughs> and then your body somaticizes that and gives you goosebumps as a way of registering that you have received an intuition, that this is intuitively correct to you. Okay. So, so this is an example of how the heart communicates with the body and gets the body to actually show you physical signs that then very quickly register in your conscious awareness. So, you know, Oh, goosebumps. Okay. That really resonates with me. That's true for me. Now, when I first share with people that this is the shortcut to learning intuition, that is really all about connecting to your body. And that's kind of the little secret, uh, to developing intuition quickly. Sometimes my clients will say, Oh, you know, well, that's no big deal. You know, I'm already connected to my body. There's no problem. I'm very connected to my body. <laughs> I hear this a lot from people when I first say that, you know, to accelerate your, your work with intuition, you just work with your body, you connect with your body. People think that they are connected to their body, but actually the majority of us are not fully connected to our body, even though we think we are. <laughs> okay. And there's two main reasons why this is true for so many of us. The first reason is uh, mind polarization. Okay. So regardless of what country you come from, what culture you come from, pretty much unanimously around the world, we have become mind dominant, uh, mind dominant societies. And so all of our energy polarizes into the mind. We give predominance to the mind. We think that the mind is superior to the body. And so we kind of polarize all of our energy into our mind and we stay there. And this is even true. This isn't, this isn't just true outside of spirituality circles. This is true even in spirituality and personal development circles. You still hear in personal development circles, the idea that the mind controls the body, whatever you think your body does. <laughs> this, this is a very common belief in spirituality and personal development circles. And although some of this is true, it is true that the mind can exert enormous influence over the body. So what you do think is important for the overall being of your body, but what is less recognized and here's a ding ding. What's less recognized is that the body has an immense wisdom and intelligence, and it also has a lot to teach the mind and it can also influence the mind a great deal. And we don't give as much importance to that because again, we don't give as much importance to heart to, um, body intelligence. 
The body has a very complex intelligence that's different from the mind, but not inferior to it. And shamanic cultures from all over the world have known this for a really long time. That's why you can see when you, when you still connect with shamanic traditions around the world, regardless of where you go, there's a lot of drumming. There's a lot of dancing. There's a lot of ceremony embedded in shamanic cultures. And it's precisely because they understand the connection between spirit and the body. Body. And, and, you know, we just started, we, we lost it when we, when we kind of moved from tribal cultures, we, we, and we moved more into urban areas. We lost that connection because here's, here's an important thing. The, the connection to nature was really one of the ways in which we connected to our bodies. So when we removed ourselves from nature, we also subsequently, subsequently removed ourselves from the body. Your body is a part of nature. Your body is intimately connected to nature in the same way that an animal is. Okay. So your body's animalistic in that way. It's very connected to nature. So as we all started to migrate into urban areas, we kind of removed ourselves from constant contact with nature. We also became internally disconnected with our physical bodies. The second reason why a lot of us are disconnected from our bodies without even knowing it is because of sensitivity. This one's really, really common, especially with, um, with people that are going through spiritual awakenings and with a lot of you that watch my videos, because you're probably as sensitive or an empath as I am. I have a ton of people in my audience that are sensitives or empaths. And so the sensitivity, our sensitivity is one of the ways why we disconnect with the body in the first place. And it's precisely because the body is so, the body of an empath or a sensitive is so fine tuned that it can perceive energy. It's very sensitive to energy, to emotional content, to all kinds of things going on. And so if a sensitive person has any type of childhood issues, pain, trauma, anything like that, what, what we do is we disconnect from our physical bodies very early on in our lives in response to pain or trauma or anything painful that's happening to us at the time. We disconnect from our physical bodies without even knowing we're doing that because we start to do this early. So we, we don't really, the child doesn't really have a lot of mechanisms to understand how to relate to the world. So when painful things start to happen to a sensitive child, they will frequently just automatically disconnect from their bodies because they assume that their bodies are the source of the discomfort, right? Because the body is literally feeling all of these yucky or uncomfortable things that a lot of sensitive children feel when they're little. And so automatically the sensitive child starts to kind of have an antagonistic relationship with their body early on. They disconnect from it. And then we grow up with this disconnection without ever knowing how to heal it until we wake up and we realize that we've done this. Okay. So sensitivity is another, another really big reason why we disconnect from our bodies and don't even know it. So the body really is the key to developing your intuition. The more connected and in your body you are, the more you will perceive intuition. But here's an extra, here's an extra understanding of this. The more connected I am with my body, the more I will start to learn its language. And the more I learn its language, the more I'll start to pick up on subtler and subtler signs, right? I will be able to pick up on subtlety. And this is key when working with intuition, because here's the thing. 
intuition, it operates on a scale. It's not just one intensity. Intuition operates on a scale and it's a scale that goes from low to medium to high. Okay. And so a lot of times people think that when they receive an intuition, they'll know it right away. They get, they just get this super strong intuition and that's intuition but it's not always like that. Sometimes your intuition does speak to you like, like a scream. (laughs) Sometimes it really, your intuition really does scream at you. And the reason that it does that is usually when we haven't been paying attention for a long time. And then your intuition's like, Oh my God. And so it just screams at you and really rattles you. And in those moments when our intuitions hit us like a ton of brick, it's all, it almost feels like we feel compelled to do something because we finally heard that scream, but intuition isn't always like that. Intuition is, can be very, very subtle, almost like a whisper. (laughs) It could be like a whisper. It doesn't have to be like a scream. And the more that you are connected to your body and you begin to commune with it, you begin to understand its language, the more you'll start to pick up on the subtle signs from your intuition and get this, this is where things get really interesting because the more I train myself to catch the subtle signs of my intuition, the more I'll be on path, the more I'll be on my soul path, right? Because those, it means that, that my intuition only needs to communicate very subtly with me. And I'm like, Oh, okay, I'll go there. And then my intuition communicates again subtly. And I'm like, Oh, I'll go there. And so I'll always be on path as opposed to relying just on my intuition. When it screams at me, when it's really strong, sometimes when I do that, I end up taking some detours back and forth. I I feel a little bit lost in the forest and then I, and then I follow my intuition. Okay. So it's very important for us to come fully into our body and start connecting with our body every day, a little bit more understanding its language, because that means that then on, on the, uh, on the intuition scale, I'm going to be able to start picking up more subtle and subtle signs. And that's exciting because you're going to, it means that you're going to be on soul path constantly. Now to part three of the video, how to develop intuition. Now that you know that your body is the missing key to all of this, now I'm going to share a two-step process that's going to help you develop your intuition quickly. And this process really is based on a key, key thing that needs to happen in order for the training to be the intuition training to be more, to go more quickly. And the key thing that needs to happen is inner stillness. All right. That is the foundation for working with intuition is you have to create inner stillness because if you're not in a place of inner stillness, it will be really hard to communicate, to understand your intuition, especially when it's whispering to you, when it's, when it's more in those subtle and that subtle area of the intuition scale. So the more inner stillness that I can cultivate within me, the faster I can learn how to communicate with my intuition. So inner stillness really is the foundation of intuition work. And when I mean inner, inner stillness, I'm talking mostly about mental stillness, right? Because the mind is really the biggest obstacle to, to accessing your intuition really is the mind and it's, it's nature of kind of going a million times, you know, a million miles an hour and just having this incessant chatter constantly. That's usually the biggest block to your intuition, right? Being disconnected from your body is also a block, but in being really, really having this mind 
super active is one of the major contributors to not being able to listen to your intuition. So when we're talking about creating a sense of inner stillness, we really are talking in a great sense about calming the mind and quieting the mind. Okay. So now let's get to the two step process on how to do this. Step one is to set the stage. <laughs> All right. So setting the stage is when I'm really going to focus on the inner stillness. I'm really going to focus on emptying myself out so that I can tune in to the subtler and subtler signs from intuition. All right. So setting the stage is really all about creating that inner stillness in a really, really deep way, especially mental um, stillness. All right. So in setting the stage, I'm going to share some practices in this step that are very, very successful at creating this inner stillness. All right. The first practice is deep breathing. Okay. So deep breathing is key because what happens when you deep breathe is you connect to your body immediately. <laughs> Not only do you connect to your body, but your mind also quiets down, especially when you're doing a deep breathing routine. Okay. So I'm not just talking about deep breathing once <sighs> there, I'm done with my deep breathing. <laughs> That's not what I mean. What I mean by deep breathing is an actual deep breathing routine. Sometimes it could go 10 minutes, 20 minutes. It depends on what you want to do. But the more that you focus on the deep breathing technique, the more you come into your body, your body is just incredible and it works really well with deep breathing. So that's the first step here. When it comes to understanding the power of deep breathing, uh, I really like to use a, a quote from one of my favorite teachers, uh, uh, Thich Nhat Hanh. And he says that the breath is the anchor of the present moment. And I love that quote. I love that so much because it's very true. When you connect with your breath, your breath is constantly your, the reminder that you are in the present moment because your breath is constantly in and out, in and out all the time. Your breath is in the present moment all the time. So when I connect with my breath, I connect with the present moment. When I connect with the present moment, I connect with the body because the body is always in present moment. All right. So deep breathing is really important. It's less important what type of technique you choose. So I'm going to give you some examples of some breathing techniques, uh, deep breathing techniques, if you want to go into those, but the focus really is less on the actual technique and just more on using breath and using deep breathing as a way to really land in your body, ground in your body and quiet the mind. So some of the techniques that I like, if you're into yoga, you can just do a pranayama breathing. So you can just do a pranayama sequence. If you're, if you're into yoga, or you can look up, uh, the Wim Hof method. So Wim Hof developed a breathing technique that's very successful. It's very deep and it really, really does affect a lot of change in your body. Or you can look up holotropic breathing. This was developed by Stan and Christina Groff, and this is also a great breathing technique. Okay. So these are some of the different types of breathing and you can, you can find videos on these different techniques on YouTube and you can just put the video on, put some earphones on and literally just breathe as the person, as the person guiding. There are tons of guided breathing technique, uh, meditations and breathing technique exercises on YouTube. You could just look them up by these keywords that I just shared with you by these techniques that I just shared with you. And you'll be able to find some videos and literally all you have to do to learn how to do that breathing technique is just follow the guidance in the videos. 
A little extra guidance on deep breathing before I move on is that when you're doing deep breathing, especially when you start out working with deep breathing techniques, you're going to feel a lot of physical sensations because your body is literally being inundated with oxygen. We're usually not very good breathers. So when we start to go into deep breathing techniques, we may experience some physical symptoms. Some of the, the ones that are common are dizziness, tingling in the body. This is really common. And it's because you're being inundated with, with extra oxygen. And so your body is coming alive. <laughs> And that's why it's giving you all these different sensations. So again, this is actually a good sign of, of understanding why deep breathing works so well to bring you into your body. The more I deep breathe, the more my body comes alive and it's going to start giving you these physical signs. This is all normal. Don't worry about it. It's very common when you first start working with deep breathing techniques. The second thing to help set the stage is relaxed body. <laughs> so we, I talked about this a little bit earlier in the video that the more, the more you are in your body, the more you're going to start feeling the subtle signs of intuition, as opposed to relying just on your intuition, screaming at you. Okay. And the reason that you can, that you can rely and you can go into more subtle signs is the more relaxed your body is, the more you can go into these subtle signs. Okay. So having a relaxed body is really crucial in being able to learn at least initially, you don't always have to be relaxed because of course, you know, we live in the real world and sometimes we're stressed out. We're not always in a state of relaxation, but, but this is crucial is initially when you're starting to learn how to, how to work with your intuition, when you're not good at it and you're starting to learn the, the amount of time that you can spend in a relaxed state is going to help you to really learn the language. And then you go off in your life and, and you'll be able to understand the, the subtle cues better, but a relaxed body is essential. And you know, here's, here's a little pro tip on what I mean by this relaxed body. All right. A relaxed body, really what I'm saying is that your, what's called the parasympathetic nervous system is active. Okay. As opposed to the sympathetic nervous system. These are two branches of, of our nervous system. The sympathetic nervous system is responsible for the fight or flight response. So it's responsible for getting you the hell out of danger when you need to. That's the sympathetic nervous system. And then the parasympathetic nervous system is responsible for relaxed states of the body. So you can have time to digest. So you can have time to learn and absorb and relax and rest. Okay. So the parasympathetic nervous system is crucial when learning how to work with intuition because it relaxes your body. The more relaxed my body is, the more I'll pick up on subtle signs from intuition. Okay. So parasympathetic nervous system, don't forget about this one. This one's super important. Now, how do I activate this parasympathetic nervous system? Because sometimes it could be hard for us, especially, you know, we live in a stressful world. A lot of us really have an overactive sympathetic nervous system because we're constantly in stress. We have high stress jobs. Our lives are stressful. And so we spend too much time in the, in the, in the sympathetic nervous system state. Our, our bodies are too stressed. And that not only is going to be really bad for your health, but it's going to, it's not going to allow you to tune in to your intuition. I mean, think about it. If I'm running down the street, running away from a lion, that's what the sympathetic nervous system was actually designed for was for our survival. If I'm running away from a lion and the lion's chasing me, am I going to be able to think about anything or access my intuition or learn or 
No, I'm just going to be literally laser focused on running the hell away from a lion so I don't get eaten. Okay. So the sympathetic nervous system is not designed at all for communicating with your intuition. So parasympathetic needs to come on. And here are a few ways in which you can do that. First thing I like using to relax my body and activate the parasympathetic nervous system is uh, slow stretches. So I do a, a slow stretch routine before I do my nightly meditation before I go to bed. Okay. So I do this every day. So just, just slowly stretch your body, uh, especially at the end of the day. That's really nice. Slow stretches. It starts to relax the body. So stretching, slow stretching is, is a great one. Uh, another one that I like to use is Qigong or Tai Chi. So I don't know if you ever heard of Qigong. It comes from the Taoist tradition, but it's similar to a Tai Chi in the sense that you'll, when you'll see people doing Qigong or Tai Chi in the park, they're moving very, very slowly. Okay. So Qigong is a tradition of body movement. That's extremely slow and mindful. This relaxes the body. Okay. And activates that parasympathetic nervous system. Another thing I love to use is slow dancing. I do this at night too. So I set some beautiful music on and I just start dancing. I, I start dancing in a very flowy, slow kind of way, not in an aggressive way, a slow and flowing, more feminine type of, of dance. Okay. So there's another way. Um, another way that I love using to activate the parasympathetic nervous system is self massage or just go get a massage, you know, but not all of us have money to, to go get massages every day. So we could do a self massage. I do this almost every day. When I get out of the shower, I just moisturize my body and I self massage arms, legs, everything, my shoulders. Self massage is really important. When you apply pressure to your body, your parasympathetic nervous system activates and the system just calms down. Okay. So, so these are some techniques that I use, but, but you can, you can use any other technique. Um, there's a lot of them that activate the parasympathetic nervous system. The point is to get to a state of relaxed body, because that's essential to start working with intuition. The third way to set the stage is alone time. <laughs> now, when I'm talking about alone time, I don't just mean being alone. Okay. So I want to go deeper into this. All right. Because a lot of us spend time alone, but if you're constantly on your screen in front of Facebook or watching YouTube videos or, you know, binging on Netflix, you're alone, but you're not really alone in the way that I'm trying to describe here. Okay. So this alone time should include what I love to use and it's called do nothing time. <laughs> Literally do nothing. Put your phone down, turn off the TV, no more Netflix, put everything down and literally just do nothing, <laughs> do nothing. One of my favorite ways of doing this is I'll very frequently just sit on my couch and I have this beautiful balcony that overlooks across the street. I just have a huge park across the street. I'm very lucky. My balcony overlooks this beautiful park and it's filled with huge trees. So I'm constantly, I just look out the window of my living room onto the balcony and I can, all I see is trees. And so what I love to do is I'll just sit on my couch, literally no phone, nothing. I'll just sit on my couch and I'll just contemplate the trees <laughs> and I, I'll do this for a few minutes. I'll just consecutively, I'll just sit and contemplate. I'm doing nothing except contemplating the trees, watching them move in the wind. <laughs> you see this doing nothing time is 
absolutely crucial because what happens is you, you'll, you'll understand why doing nothing is, is more important. It's not the same thing as being alone. Okay. When I'm doing nothing, I'm calming the mind. I'm removing stimuli from the mind as opposed to being alone, but looking at a screen and watching a movie, I'm still, I'm still bringing in stimuli to my brain. Okay. So do nothing. Time is crucial. A lot of times people have a lot of resistance to this because we have this, uh, we have this really antagonistic relationship with being bored. I'm bored. I need to go do something. I hate being bored. Why? (laughs) Why do you hate being bored? The reason you hate being bored is because your brain is so used to stimulation that it starts to freak out when it doesn't have it. Okay. But there's nothing wrong with being bored. In fact, it's something you should cultivate. Do nothing. Time is crucial. Okay. Because again, this is another technique that's going to set the stage for, for inner stillness, for you to be able to connect with your intuition. So give yourself, block yourself some do nothing time throughout the day. Even if it's just a few minutes like me, you know, even if it's just five minutes sitting on the couch, looking at the trees out of my window, (laughs) just find what, what works for you, but block some do nothing time in the middle of your day. And you'll see how this really starts to work in cultivating that inner stillness. The fourth way to set the stage is through silence. (laughs) So this is similar to the one I talked about before, but there's a little bit of differences here. So in silence, really what I'm talking about is depriving your brain of all stimuli. So no phones, uh, no music. A lot of times when we're in the house, when we're alone, we, we hit that music, we put it really blasting and we're just, you know, moving around and dancing around the house. Well, in this part, you're cultivating silence. So no music, no phones, no TV, nothing, nothing, just silence. The reason that silence works is because it begins to detox the brain. You know, believe it or not, our brains really can become addicted to stimuli in the same way that a drug addict can be addicted to heroin or cocaine or whatever. Okay. It can actually become an addiction in much the same way. So when you start bringing in that silence, the brain can actually start to go into withdrawal symptoms and it can start freaking out temporarily when you're not used to working with silence and being in silence, you can have a hard time with it because your brain is constantly, Oh, let me put some music on. I don't like to be in the silence. Oh, let me go watch TV. Let me turn on the TV. So I have some sound in the background, even though I'm not watching the TV. Some people do this. So initially it may be uncomfortable to work with the silence, but know that this is just a sign that your brain is actually in withdrawal symptoms. All right. This happens a lot in Vipassana retreats. I don't know if you know what a Vipassana retreat is. It's a silent retreat where literally you go and you spend sometimes a whole week just meditating and nothing else. So in Vipassana retreats, some of them can be really strict where you can't take a notebook with you, no pen, nothing to write down, no phone, nothing. You are deprived of anything, of everything. And all you do is you meditate, you eat, and then you go to your room. (laughs) That's, that's what you do. You can't talk with any So there's no talking in a Vipassana retreat, even though you're with a group of people, you can't talk. And, and what, what happens in a Vipassana retreat is really interesting in the first few days. Sometimes people can go those first few days. The brain is freaking out. It's absolutely freaking out. A lot of people leave Vipassana retreats because they can't stand it. They're just, they just, they can't do it. Then they leave. (laughs) So this is quite common in a Vipassana retreat that people leave. 
But if they stick with it, something very interesting happens in a Vipassana retreat. If they stick with the silence and they meditate and they're silent and they meditate and they're silent, usually within a few days after starting a Vipassana retreat, sometimes early, sometimes two or on the second or third, sometimes fourth day, what happens is people will report that their mind snaps. <laughs> this is a very common report on a Vipassana retreat. The mind snaps. And what that means is the withdrawal, the, the, the craving of stimuli just snaps. It goes away and people report that they have this openness. They come alive. They come alive because their mind just shuts off. And it's, you know, it's something that people really never forget about, about a Vipassana retreat when this happens to them. And so this is literally, you don't have to go to a Vipassana retreat to do this, but this is what silence is cultivating. It's withdrawing your uh, sti excessive stimuli from the brain. And as your brain learns to work with a lack of stimuli, you become more alive. Your senses become more alive. Your mind becomes still. All right. So this is, this is the fourth way. In, in order to uh, set the stage for working with intuition. Now to step two, connect to your body. So in step one, we were setting the stage. We were creating that inner stillness with different practices that we reviewed. And now in step two, we're actually going to go into deeper connection with the body. And in this step, really your parasympathetic nervous system is already pretty active because you've followed step one, right? You've used the practices in step one. So at this point, your parasympathetic nervous system is activated. Your body is in a nice and relaxed state. And so your mind is quiet. And so now we're going to go deeper. Remember when the parasympathetic nervous system is activated, I am in a position of receiving information of learning. Okay. And that's key. <laughs> that is key to receive to receive an intuition because remember intuition is going to hit your heart first, and then your heart is going to send it to your body and your brain is going to send different signals and your body is going to register those signals and it's going to somaticize them. It's going to manifest those energy signals in physical symptoms. All right. And so when you receive, when your heart receives that intuition and it starts to transmit it to the body and to the mind, the more that, that parasympathetic nervous system is activated, the more you will register this. You'll be able to register this in your conscious awareness. Now, the way to actually go in and deeper now and connect to your body on a deeper way, I love to use a really simple, simple exercise. This is a super simple exercise, but you do need to give yourself some time to do this. All right. So what you're going to do is you're going to sit in meditation. You're going to close your eyes, maybe even after practicing some of the practices in step one and setting the stage so that you're in a nice and relaxed state. You're going to sit in meditation. You're going to close your eyes and you're just going to just let yourself quiet down, quiet down, quiet down. So you may sit in meditation and you may be there for, for maybe a couple of minutes, maybe five minutes, maybe 10 minutes, however long you feel you need to just bring that system down, really activate the parasympathetic nervous system and bring yourself into a state of relaxation. And then when you feel ready, when you feel relaxed, you're going to start communicating with your body and you're going to start communicating with your body by asking a simple question. All right. The first question you are going to ask, and you can ask this out loud or in your mind down into the body, you're going to ask the body, please show me a yes. Okay. Please show me a yes. Or what does a yes feel like? 
All right. You're going to start asking the body to please show you what a yes feels like. And you're just going to sit there. <laughs> you're going to sit there and you are going to feel it. I'm not even going to tell you what a yes feels like to me because it may feel different to you. That's why you're asking your body to communicate what a yes feels like to you. This is a really important exercise because later on in life, when you're trying to make a decision, when you're trying to decide whether you should quit your job or whether you need to end a relationship, for example, you can always, once you're trained, you can always just close your eyes and you can mentally ask yourself, yes or no, yes or no. And your body's going to be able to tell you. Okay. So you have to train this. You have to understand what a yes means to you. So sit there, feel what a yes feels like, feel what it feels like in your body. What sensations are your body? Is your body giving you? And after a while of sitting with that, then you can end the exercise and just journal about it. What did I feel? Oh, I felt relaxed. Oh, I felt this. Oh, I felt that. Oh, I felt a, I felt a twinge on my foot, whatever it is. It doesn't matter. Journal, journal it. Okay. And then in a next exercise, maybe the next day. So you get to know what a yes feels like next day. You're going to do the same thing. You're going to sit in meditation, do the same thing over again. But now the question to the body is show me what a no feels like. <laughs> okay. Show me what a no feels like. And then you're going to do the same thing. You're going to sit there. What does a no feel like? What does a no feel like? And your body's going to tell you usually the no, <laughs> the no is actually a little bit easier because the, the no of the body is sometimes a bit uncomfortable. So sometimes you can feel, you know, tightness in, in the chest or your, or your stomach just contracts, but, but sometimes learning the no of the body is easier than the yes. Okay. So you're going to practice these two things. What does a yes feel in my body? And what does a no feel in my body? All right. This beautiful, simple, simple, but beautiful exercise is absolutely crucial in learning how to develop your intuition. The more that you do this, the more you're going to come into contact and really ground yourself in your body. And then you're going to learn that the signs of intuition get more complex as you learn the language, <laughs> as you learn the language of the body, the body is then going to be able to communicate with you in more complex ways and you'll understand it. The more that you understand these subtle signs from the body, the more on path you're going to be because your soul is constantly pinging intuitive guidance down to you. It's just the majority of the time we're not listening. <laughs> and so as you're learning to connect with your body and to your heart, you're going to be much more connected to your soul and all of the guidance that your beautiful soul is constantly in every minute sending your way. All right, beautiful soul. Now I want to hear from you. Let me know in the comments below. What's the hardest part for you in connecting to your intuition? Let me know in the comments below. Click here to subscribe to my YouTube channel or head over to my website where you can download my free guided meditations. They're pretty cool. And don't forget to watch this video on intuition where you can go real deep on what intuition is and how to work with it more deeply also. All right, beautiful soul. I love you. I'm out.